The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. of questions in my email account, in my DMs, in my messages, in my comments from you guys. And I love answering them. I want to know what questions you have. I want to know what things are on your mind and talk about those things. And it really bugs me when I get a question or when I get a question repeatedly that I feel like I can't answer easily. I recently had one of these moments where I was able to check one of those unanswerable questions off my list. One question I get a lot is, how can I attend one of your courses or Skype into one of your workshops? Do you have a virtual learning? And I kept being like, eh, working on it. Well, if you've been around here for a few months, you know that I recently launched my behavior change course, which has been so amazing. And I was finally able to answer that question. Yes, I have a way for you to get all the information from my live sessions online. Well, another question that I get quite a bit that I'm also always like, oh yeah, working on it because I don't have a quick answer are something along the lines of, you know, I want to get into consulting or I want to be a trainer or your job looks so fun. How do I get to do that? How did you get where you are? 
you know, how did you go from a special ed teacher to a consultant to a BCBA? Now, at no point during my journey in special education and applied behavior analysis, did I have this very clear plan of, I want to have an online business with a membership and an online course and a podcast and create materials. My, my path kept shifting. So I don't necessarily have that answer of how you can do it. But what I can do is share my story and share my path and how it changed and evolved over the years and really how I landed up where I am today. So let's do a little story time today. Let's go way back to the beginning. I left high school and went to my undergrad program at Miami University of Ohio. I went with my dad to orientation and I knew I wanted to do either special education or social work. And I honestly had it in my head that my mom told me that for social work, I needed to get my master's and I didn't want to get my master's, even though ironically, I ended up getting my master's degree anyways. So I was kind of deciding which one to declare and was going to be undeclared. And then in one of the meetings, they said, it'll be easier if you just declare something now. And honestly, without a lot of thought, I was like, "Okay, let's go special ed. I knew I would you know, really like either field, which I think to this day, I would still really like either field. So I was lucky to know, you know, going into college what I wanted to do. Within college, I had to get a lot of internship hours and student teaching hours and observation hours in different special ed settings, which was great to really give me some, you know, on the ground experience and know what I wanted to look for in a job. So I graduated college and did what everyone did. You looked for a job, right? And I did all the interviews. Anywhere that would interview me, I took an interview because I looked at all of it as good experience. Like I need to learn how to talk about myself. I need to learn how to figure out what these jobs are like. I was terrified of not getting a job. And oh my gosh, you guys, I looked ridiculous in these interviews. First of all, I look young for my age. So, you know, which is a good thing normally, but not in an interview setting, right? So I felt like if I went into a high school for an interview, I looked like one of the high school seniors and I wore this ridiculous, ridiculous black suit that I got really cheap somewhere, maybe from like H&M. It was very poorly fitting. I looked like a CIA agent. Like people don't wear black suits to interviews, but I didn't know. Half the schools I went to didn't have air conditioning and it was hotter than heck. And I'm in this ridiculous CIA black suit. But I trounced all over Chicago, took every interview that I got. And my main thing that I was looking for in a job was support. I did not want to be the only special ed teacher in the school. I did not want to be the only self-contained teacher in the school. That was something I was, that was on my ideal list of what a job could look like. I didn't, I thought I wanted maybe more early childhood, but I was open. I wanted Definitely self-contained special ed, but I did want to have be in a school where there were other teachers. So I took my first job where there were three other self-contained rooms and I was opening the fourth self-contained room for junior high. And you've maybe heard me tell this story before, but I always crack up when I see on social media and Pinterest and all these things like planning out the classrooms and first year teacher and decorating and That was so, so far off my radar. I can't even tell you. Like this isn't obviously the days before Instagram, before Pinterest, before teaching blogs. And I thought I was being very prepared by showing up on my first day and bringing two things of Clorox wipes and a roll of paper towel. I was like, damn, 
I got this. And I wish I had like video footage of me walking into this empty classroom because I didn't inherit you know, a room full of stuff. It was just tables and desks. And they were bringing in another classroom of students from a school that had closed. And those were going to be my students. So I didn't have things. I just kind of stood there. I don't know, like wiping things with my Clorox wipes, I guess. And I was off. That's where it really started. My first few years teaching were honestly crazy. <laughs> I It was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of figuring it out. One thing looking back that I'm really grateful for was having administration that gave me the leeway to have that trial and error, to figure things out on my own. No one was micromanaging me, which in some ways was hard but in a lot of other ways was great because I was able to figure things out. And I, looking back at that time, you know, I was hungry. I was hungry for answers, for knowing what to do, for resources. There was very, very little out there. I had those, I don't know if you guys remember those task lore books. You can still probably buy them on Instagram and they had pictures of work tasks. I, I mean, I highlighted in cut things out and tab those books to death because those were like my main most valuable resources on how to make work tasks and how to get things going. I went to any training that my district could possibly send me to, which were very few, but it was a lot of figuring out what worked and what didn't. And there were a lot of failures. There were a lot of hard moments. There were a lot of things that I look back at that time and totally cringe that I did that. But it gave me a great opportunity to learn what things would work and what didn't. And I was lucky to have other teachers in the same position. As I said, there were three other teachers, self-contained teachers. So to learn things, what to do and what not to do and figure things out together and have a little bit of that support. So as I started getting more comfortable in my role as a teacher, I still had that hunger for more, for wanting to learn to do things differently and really, really wanting to give high expectations for my students. That was kind of always my pet peeve was that I felt like within my school and within the community, people just really didn't have as high of expectations for my students as I did. I feel like people didn't even really know what I did in my classroom all day. They're like, thought I just, you know, did Play-Doh and arts and crafts. And I was like, no, my kids can read. Let me show you. And so it was a struggle, you know, figuring out, yeah, how do I teach my kids to read? And how, I, how do I give them access to the gen ed curriculum? Because it gets tricky, as you guys know, as our kids get older. And I was a junior high teacher. So inclusion wasn't so easy and it wasn't so straightforward when my kids were at a very, very different age level. So it was a lot of figuring out what curriculums could work, how I could adapt things, a lot, a lot of making my own stuff. So as I continued teaching and I felt like having more successes and figuring out best practices, figuring out what could work, figuring out what helped my kids decrease behaviors and learn new skills, I kept kind of looking for what I could do next. And what I came across was the world of applied behavior analysis. <laughs> it sounds extreme, but that it really is how it was. I had some students with really extreme behaviors and in all my research that I would do, that's what I kept coming back to. So I decided to look into programs to become a board certified behavior analyst. 
And there was luckily an in-person program in Chicago. And I I think I do well with in-person learning. So I was excited about that. And I decided to go at night with a coworker, which was awesome because we had someone to go through it together. We went at night to get our master's in ABA and become board certified behavior analysts while we were in the classroom. This is a hard thing to do. I have actually an episode that I'll link in the show notes about becoming a BCBA and what that can look like while you're in the classroom and not in the classroom. It was definitely hard. But the great part of this was I got to go to school at night, learn about something, go back to school in the morning and see it in action or try it and be like, yes, this is what reinforcement is. Or yes, this is what a group contingency is. I had a whole room full of potential quote unquote clients that were needing these strategies. So I was able to see almost immediately the power of applied behavior analysis. And it was a really kind of lucky and serendipitous situation that it worked out that I could get my master's while I was teaching and that I could do my supervision hours within my classroom. I did my thesis with my students. That was a whole, that's a whole other story for another day on all the hoops I had to jump through for that. But it was awesome to be able to take students that I knew so well and utilize these new strategies I was working for. I was able to do a functional analysis with my supervisor on some of my students. Things that, you know, my colleagues in my grad school classes maybe didn't have the opportunity to do because they only had one or two clients. Well, I had 12 kids in my class and I had 12 kids at, you know, wildly different levels. So basically anything I was learning about, there was like a kid for that, right? So I became a BCBA while I was in the classroom, did all my supervision, did all thesis, did all that fun stuff, took a few years. And when that was done, you know, I felt like I was in a good spot. I still had moments and years where I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. But when grad school left, I suddenly had a little bit of free time. And this was before having kids. And I, as a teacher in the district I was working in, was getting asked a lot to have teachers come observe my classroom. I would have administrators come in and take pictures and want to share with other people. And it kind of bugged me, to be honest, that I, I wanted I wanted credit for my ideas. I mean, whether that sounds good or bad, I did. Because people would come in and they'd be like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. They'd take a bunch of pictures and be like, I'm going to go show someone else. I'm like, yeah, but... I'm the one that does that work. So tell them that it was from my classroom and let me explain it. Because sometimes I felt like a picture didn't explain why I did something the way I did. So when grad school finished, honestly, almost immediately, my thesis was done and I was waiting to sit for the exam and I decided, decided to start a blog. I thought, okay, I don't totally know what blogs are that much, but I have a friend who does web design And she helped me set up a blog and I had no idea what that really looked like before. And I just started writing and I didn't honestly think too much about if people would like it or not, if this would be helpful or not. I just was like, I want to get my ideas out there. And I wrote for a while to no one and I wrote, made Facebook posts to no one, but I wanted to keep sharing my ideas because I kept thinking about how hard it was when I started and when I felt like I didn't have any support and I didn't have ideas and some in a classroom that looked like mine that I could turn to. And I wanted to be that for other teachers. And things started snowballing. Soon people started reading my stuff. Pinterest became really big around the same time and people started pinning my ideas and 
following me on Facebook and asking me questions. And then I knew what things to blog about. And for a while, I blogged seven days a week. I mean, the first probably first three years, I think I blogged. I blogged seven days a week. When I started my blog, I also started my Teachers Pay Teachers store. This was also something that right before starting, I had never heard of. Same with blogs. I was like, what are blogs? What is a TPT store? Someone told me about Teachers Pay Teachers. I had never heard about it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I wonder if I can find things for my class. Because remember, I'm still like always wanting stuff for my class. And when I went on there, there was very little for special ed. And I thought, wow, I've been creating materials and resources for years and years and years. I bet these things that are useful to me could be useful to other teachers. And some of the first things that I uploaded were really simple. Schedules, social stories, visual recipes, adapted books. These were things I'd been using for years in my classroom and had taken a lot of time to make. And I kept thinking, man, first year Sasha would have loved this because I didn't even know what those things were my first year. So I started posting and creating more things for my Teachers Pay Teachers store to sell, to help support other classrooms. And it was crazy to see within those first few years all of the classrooms that I helped. It was immediately so overwhelming. Teachers from across the globe, teachers from other parts of the country that were using the same visual recipe or liked the same adapted book I did. And I really felt like I knew how a lot of those teachers felt because as I said, that was how I felt. I just needed direction and I needed support and I wished that I didn't have to take all of those years to figure it out because taking the time to make materials takes, as we all know, quite a bit of time. So I had my blog and I had my TPT store. I had all, you know, I was doing Pinterest, all this stuff. I didn't have kids so I could just kind of sit on my laptop till late at night and just work. You know, my husband used to, we weren't married yet, but he used to kind of come over and just like close my computer and be like, you're done. But I was for a while and I probably still am. I have better boundaries now, but I was kind of addicted. I just, I wanted to answer every email and respond to every single comment immediately as it came out and thinking, well, what new blog post can I do? And, and everything tied together because The things that I was working on in my classroom were things that I created for my TPT store. And then I wanted to write a blog post to explain why I made it and how I used it. And it just all had this kind of like perfect flow, which at that time period was really, really fun because it felt for a long time in my classroom, even though I had some co-teachers that understood where I was at, it felt very isolated that I didn't have a community of people that got it of people that knew how hard this role could be and how, but also how amazing it could be and what the little victories looked like. And, you know, I was proud of a lot of the things I was working on and, oh my gosh, this data sheet is so amazing, but there's only so many times I can show my husband my data sheet where he fakes being excited about it. But when I showed my data sheet on Pinterest, people were into it, you know, because we're all the data nerds together, all the special ed teachers that need that stuff. So it was fun to have that virtual community. I also kind of then entered this phase of life where I just started saying yes to everything. From my blog and from my social media and my Teachers Pay Teachers store, I started getting new requests. Requests from schools in Chicago. Hey, 
Will you come consult? Requests from school districts outside of Chicago. Hey, will you come do a live workshop? These were things that were terrifying to me at first, but I said yes. You want me to come consult? Cool, I'll come. You want me to come jump on a plane and do a six-hour PD? Yep, I'll figure it out later. And I did. And I took, again, I was lucky enough to have an administration that was very supportive. And I took a lot of personal days and I flew around the country and took red eyes and got back and went back to teaching the next morning. And it worked for a little bit. And I started doing more and more of that. And it kind of kept, you know, as I said, things snowball. All of a sudden, I didn't like mean to become a presenter. And if you would have told, you know, that first year teacher, Sasha, like, hey, at some point in your career, you're going to be doing live events for hundreds of people on a regular basis and you're not going to be nervous, I would have laughed hysterically in your face. My first year teaching, I was nervous to do any kind of instruction in front of my paraprofessionals because I thought they were judging me. But it just, people kind of kept asking and, oh, hey, I saw you do a live workshop here. Can you do a live workshop here? Can you come back next year? I heard you consult with this school. Can you come into my school for an observation? And I kept saying yes and yes and yes. And as you can probably imagine where this story is going, when you say yes to too many things after a while, it becomes exactly that too many things. So there became a point where it was no longer fair to my classroom and my aides to be taking personal days and leaving to travel. And I also kind of started just like losing my mind a little bit. That like period in life, very similar to my period in life where I was doing my thesis, both of those phases in life, I kind of lost my mind because I was so busy and was doing too many things. During a consulting meeting at a nearby school, this is while I was teaching, while I was blogging, all that, went in for a consulting meeting, one hour meeting in the school, came out and I'm walking to my car and I can't find my car keys. Like I'm looking in my bag, I'm looking in my pockets, where are my car keys? Go back in the school, you know, with the administrators and teachers I was working with. Hey, do you guys see my car keys? We're looking, can't find it. Well, I go to my car, not only are my car keys in my car, but my car is running. My car had been running for an hour and a half sitting on a busy street in Chicago. So it was like moments like that that started really telling me like, okay, Sasha, you got to take some things off your plate because you are officially starting to lose your mind. So I had to make the difficult decision of whether I wanted to slow down on consulting and presenting and the autism helper or I wanted to leave the classroom. And this was honestly not an easy decision right away because I loved my classroom. My classroom was my second home. My paraprofessionals and I, we had worked so hard to get to this great place where we worked so seamlessly together. And I say we worked really hard to get there because it wasn't how it started, but we got there. And a lot of my students I had had for years and years. And this is what I loved about my job was being with my kids and using all these materials and strategies that I learned about with them. But I also loved being able to affect change on a bigger level, being able to work with 10 teachers at a time, being able to create materials that thousands of teachers all over the world could use, being able to work with parents via Skype on other ends of the of the planet. I was working with, at this point, parents in India and Sri Lanka with their students and consulting about their children. So at that point, I made the decision to leave the classroom and do the autism helper full time. And it wasn't an easy decision and there's no magic, you know, wand of when you know this. And yes, I miss the classroom a lot, 
I miss my students, right? So I'm lucky enough that we do a big family field trip every year in the fall and I still get to see them. They all come. They're all adults with beards and big, deep voices and they're like four heads taller than me. It's hilarious. Um, And it's great. So I still get to see them every year, which is kind of the one thing I always look forward to. Once I left the classroom and focused on the autism helper full time is when I really got to delve into some bigger projects. I started to grow the blogging team. I knew people didn't want to just hear from me. There's other voices. There's other roles. So we added an SLP and later we added a preschool teacher and an OT and a parent. That was really exciting. I got to work on resources for my Teachers Pay Teachers store that were like my dream resources. Like in the classroom, what could I have like loved? And that's where the curriculum came from. A lot of some of those I had started while I was teaching and using them while I was in the classroom, but I got to really perfect them and expand them when I had the time to delve into those year long resources that had rubrics and data sheets and assessments. I kept thinking, what would I want? I want something that's not overwhelming. I want something that's not a million pieces. I want something that I can print and go that has everything embedded, the data, the rubrics, the data-driven instruction. So I had the time to really kind of create those. I also had the opportunity to do a lot more traveling for PDs, which meant making new sessions, sessions on executive functions, two-day sessions on data, sessions on behavior change and literacy and schedules. So it was really fun to create all these new live workshops that people could come to. I got to continue doing consulting within schools and homes via Skype or in person and work on, you know, classroom-based problems, home-based problems, how to set up home academic programs, how to set up data systems and behavior plans, doing observations. And I loved all of that. I still do. I, I love getting to be in schools and in families' homes and troubleshoot with parents or with teachers what things work and what things wouldn't work. This podcast was something that my husband and I had talked about for a long time, and I kind of dragged my feet on starting because I blogged quite a bit. We had social media stuff to do. I was traveling and consulting a lot, but I really fell in love with this platform because it feels like I got that connection with you guys, even though I don't hear you guys talking back, but it's a fun way to share ideas. I love getting to interview people. That's something that I had to grow to love. It was a little scary at first, but sharing other experts with you guys and different strategies. I also fell in love just with podcasts in general, because before starting my own podcast, I didn't really listen to podcasts. And once I, you know, looked into starting mine and started listening to other people's and other types of podcasts, I saw how efficient it was. And I love efficiency. So this has been a really fun platform for me to work on. And then about a year ago, you know, I keep thinking every year I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing we're doing all the things we can. We're this is it. We added the podcast. Nothing new can happen from there out. And, you know, as this path has kept shifting and shifting and shifting, I've now learned that I can't anticipate quite where it's going to go. But I always want to look for new opportunities to support my community. And one new opportunity that came about last year was starting a membership group. Again, this is something that was new to me. And what this would look like for teachers and parents and clinicians took a lot of planning and thought. And the membership group has been one of the most 
fulfilling and rewarding and fun things that I've done because I I always kind of reflect back to that new teacher Sasha and like what would have she liked Would she wouldn't have wanted to sit in a six hour meeting she would have wanted a few five minute ten minute videos that she could watch at her prep she wouldn't have wanted things I could print right away and use in my classroom tomorrow and that's really what I built the membership around is what can help support a busy teacher how can I give them that community that they don't have. So that has been a really, really fun adventure that kind of continues to evolve and thinking about, okay, well, what are we giving our year two members and how can we continue to support them as we continue on that path? And then the last piece that we've added was this spring and summer was adding the behavior change course. As I said, that was one of my unanswerable questions when people said, hey, can I, can you send me your slides or can I Skype in your session? I knew I wanted to provide some in-depth virtual learning that went way more in-depth than like a blog post or a podcast episode, but still kind of with my style. You know, I like explaining things in real world language, not technical ABA speak. I like marrying the worlds of special ed and ABA and showing how they work together. I love talking about behavior and how it pertains to my own life and my own parenting and my own relationships. So I wanted to bring all of that into an online course that could still be, you know, it'd be beneficial and valuable and helpful, but also engaging and something that could fit into a busy life. So that's really, that's really where I got to myself, to my spot today, you know, going from the first year, first day teacher walking in with her two rolls of Clorox wipes to now having an online course and doing live workshops. This isn't necessarily where I thought I would be, but I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so this comes back to the question I've been getting asked. And maybe you're someone that has asked me that question, or maybe you never thought of that question, but now it's in your head. You know, how do you become, if you wanted, a consultant or doing live workshops or pivoting into another area of your career? Now, I don't know exactly what path is going to work for you, but the advice I can give is to be a problem solver. I think that is something that has always benefited me throughout my journey is finding the problem and then trying to solve it and trying to get not just really good, but great at something. You have to become great at something first before you can teach others about it. So maybe you want to do live workshops on how to take data for other teachers. Well, first, you got to get really good on data for yourself. And a lot of this comes down to jumping in. And yes, I want to say like, don't fear failure, all that stuff. You can be afraid of failure, but you can't let it hold you back. And I think that is something knowingly or unknowingly that really helped me throughout this journey is, yeah, I was always afraid to fail, but I never let that kind of stop me. And it wasn't this active of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go for it. It's just like, you know what? If I fail, I fail. If I don't, I don't. Let's just go for it. Maybe I start a blog and no one reads it. Maybe I start a TPT store and no one reads it or buys anything. Maybe I go do a live workshop and I am supposed to do a three hour session and I'm done at 40 minutes. And believe me, that's something I've been scared of for years. 
but you just have to do it. You have to jump in. You have to say yes. You have to try to actively seek out these opportunities. Opportunities aren't just going to come to you. You have to go find them. Start doing these things within your district. Start sharing ideas for free, for fun, with your colleagues, with your community, and see where that goes. It might not take you in the direction you thought. Maybe you thought you wanted to do live workshops, but maybe in the end you get hired by administrators and you become a consultant within your district or you get hired by a publishing company and you start creating curriculum there. Who knows? But once you take those steps of becoming really, really good at something and becoming a problem solver and actively trying to bring value to the people around you, I think it's really amazing to see what happens after that. So I hope this little story time was helpful today. If you are someone that has been thinking about, you know, wanting to move towards training or consulting, I hope hearing about my journey and how I got where I am is helpful. If that isn't something you've ever thought about, I hope this story and my advice was also helpful in a different way. You know, sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the day-to-day grind, whether it's being in the classroom or figuring out distance learning. We get stuck with the details, with the little tasks, with the little things to do. But it's nice to sometimes think about the big picture and what big goals you may have for yourself either in your current role or in other roles, and what things you want to do, what impact you want to make. So start this summer to think about that. What impact do you want to make in your job, within your community, and in this field? If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. 
so your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.